Excuse me, folks. These things have a mind of their own. They really do, you know. They call it pocket dialing. When I was growing up, we didn't even have cell phones. We had to use pay phones and a rotary dial phone. That's how I'm aging my, dating myself. But <clears throat> we have high tech now. So, 
Thank you, Jenny, for that beautiful song. And who would have thought years ago, Jenny is my cousin, and who would have thought years ago that she would be giving the solo and that I would be giving the message. When I was a kid, that would be like the last thought I would ever have, right? We don't know what our future holds, but God does. And his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. And his will is better than ours. And everything that he brings into our lives, we should accept it and be thankful for it and content with it. And it really goes, that song really goes along with the, with the message we're going to have today. Shall we just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll direct the words that are spoken today. We pray that you will speak to our hearts, encourage us, challenge us, exhort us, Lord, and help us to be the people you want us to be. And pray, Lord, that you will hide me behind the cross, and we pray that you will bring forth the message that you want to be brought forth today and touch every heart and every life here, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there was a man one day who became envious of his friends, and he decided that he was going to buy a, more, a larger and more luxurious home. And of course, he contacted Gina Cephalo, because she's such a good real estate agent, right, to list his property and, and to sell his house so he could buy a new one. I'm just teasing about that, but she is, she is really good on that. And so he decided that's what he would do. So he listed it with the real estate agent, and he was reading the classified ads in the paper, and well, as he was reading, he came across one that sounded really good. And he looked at all the details of this house, and he thought, this is really fantastic. This is just the house for me. I mean, it'll be perfect. So he got on the phone and he called the realtor and he said, he said, I'm so excited. I just looked in the classified ads in the paper and, and there's a house that sounds just perfect for me. It's exactly what I'm looking for. And she said, well, why don't you describe it to me? So he started to describe the house. And he says, I'd like to see it as soon as possible and move on with this and, and quickly. And so she started asking him questions about it so she could determine it. And she said this, but sir, that's your house you're describing. Isn't that just like human nature? We always want something bigger and better and more impressive, and we're never content with what God gives to us in our lives. In this world today, contentment is very rare, especially in the world, but even among Christians. There's a sense of a discontentment, like we have to have something different, something better. We have to be more impressive. Like this man, he thought he'd buy a house more impressive, and it turns out it, what house was best for him? The very one that he owned before. It's amazing. And so many times, we want new cars. We want new high-tech gadgets. We want new clothes or shoes or whatever it happens to be because we don't have that sense of contentment that God wants us to have. It's challenging. It convicts me. It convicts all of us, I think. And the title of our message today is Contentment in Christ. And the Lord wants us to be thankful, and He wants us to be content. Those two things really go together, because if you're thankful, you'll be content. And if you're content, you will be thankful. And that's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to be a thankful, contented people. I like what Benjamin Franklin said, that one of the founding 
fathers of our country, he said, contentment makes poor men makes rich men poor and poor men rich. And it's so true because when you have contentment, you feel like you're rich. You feel like you have everything you need, and that's true. It's a sense of contentment. And we're going to read our text this morning, which is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. 1 Timothy 6, beginning at verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And verse 11, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. May God bless the reading of his word. You know, when you are born into this world, contentment is not born into your heart. We have to learn contentment. In fact, as a child grows up, it becomes very selfish and wanting things for itself and wanting this and wanting that. That's why when you take your child to Costco or you take them to the to other stores or whatever it might be, I want this, I want that. And the mother says, you can't have that. You, you can have this, but you can't have that. And the kid starts crying and you see it in the store and we see it all the time because they want what they can't have. And when we grow up as adults, sometimes that happens too. We want what we can't have. And as Christians, we should never want anything besides God's perfect will. I'll be looking for a job here recent, uh, coming up pretty soon. And, and, and Wayne and I were talking yesterday at the golf tournament with some of the brothers. And he was saying that all these resumes he put out and all these things, and we all do this, and we always say, Lord, please give me the job that's according to your perfect will. I don't want it if it's not. Because if it's, it could be the most perfect job, but if it's not perfect for you, if it's not God's will for you, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. But when God is in it, and he's blessing you in it, and that's in any decision, you can be content. You can be at peace knowing that God knows, and he has it perfectly planned for you and perfectly planned for me. So the three things that we're going to look at today is, number one, we have to learn to be content. Number two, we have to be content with what we have. And number three, we should not desire to be rich at the expense of honoring God. So Paul tells Timothy here in this chapter, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul, the great apostle, lets us know that he had to learn this lesson himself. And you think, well, if Paul had to learn it, how much more do I have to learn it? It is so important. And Paul says, not that I speak from want, in, in verse 11, I think we have 12 up there, First, uh, Philippians 4.11, thank you. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. 
I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be, be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. When God has brought things into our life and we accept it and we thank him for it and we're content with it, there is that peace, there is that joy, there is that satisfaction and happiness that people in the world don't have because most people in the world today are not content with what they have. Uh, they do these surveys at work and usually the number one thing that people are not happy about at work or not satisfied with is their wages, is their salary. Nobody ever thinks that they're being paid what they're worth that they should be paid more, they should have more money, right? That's like the number one thing that people are not happy with. It's like right off the bat, they're not happy with their, with their salary. But whatever it is, whether it's your salary or with your health or with your uh, location of where you live or whatever the case might be, it could be our ministry. Whatever God gives us, we should be content with that and not be looking over and say, why can't I do what she does? Why can't I do what he does? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Instead of saying, Lord, you have given me exactly the life you want me to have. Help me to be thankful for it and content with what you've given me and help me to trust in you for it. There's a couple of verses in the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs, chapter 30 and verse, verses 8 and 9, where the psalmist here is saying some very interesting things with regard to this subject of being content. He says this, this is like his prayer before the Lord. He says, remove falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. And then, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. I think that's a really good prayer to make because a lot of times, we don't want the extremes, right? We don't want to be poor because then we don't have money and we can't, we can't honor God. On the other hand, we don't want to be rich where we take our eyes off the Lord and start depending on ourselves and say, well, I'm rich now. I can, I can do this. I can buy this. I can, and I don't have to depend on the Lord. So we don't want to be poor and we don't want to be rich. We want to be just what God wants us to be, like the man who had the house, right? He had the perfect house, he put it on the market, he found the perfect house in the paper, but it turns out it was his house. It's like the story of the man that wanted a new cross, and so he went to the Lord and he says, Lord, I need a new cross. Okay, here's a whole warehouse full of crosses. You can take your choice. And so he goes along and he goes down the aisle and he starts taking one out. Oh, that's too heavy. Too heavy. It's nice, it looks nice, but it's too heavy. I can't carry a heavy cross like that. Then he comes down the aisle and he finds another one. Well, it's too light. I mean, I like a lighter cross. Yes, Lord, I, I want a lighter one, but this is too light, too light. So he tries another one and he says, oh, this is just perfect. This is perfect. It's not too heavy where I'm going to be burdened too much. And it's not too light. And the Lord says, that's the cross you brought in. That's the cross you had before. And so many times it's the lesson of contentment. We have the perfect thing God has given us, but we want something different. We want something more. Or we want something what we consider better. They had the expression years ago, keeping up with the Joneses. You know, the Joneses must be a very nice family and very rich. 
and very successful because everybody wants to keep up with them. Everybody wants to be just like the Joneses. In fact, they actually had another expression, Jonesing. You know, you're, you're um, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, you've got to be Jonesing for it, right? And so that's, that's what a lot of people do, keeping up with the Joneses. But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants to be us to be keeping up with Jesus and what God's will is for us. That is the best. We don't want to be like anybody else. We want to be what God has made us and what he has given us and how he has blessed us in our lives. I love what it says in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 where Jesus is talking there. And he says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. How many people measure their worth by their net worth, in other words? They consider themselves important because of the money they make. They consider themselves important because of the position they have. But God does the opposite. He considers us important when we're his servants, when we're humble servants and we serve others. That's what God considers more important than anything else. And so he wants us to have this attitude of contentment with what he has given us. And secondly, he wants us to be content with the things that we have. In verse 7, Paul says, For we have brought nothing into this world, and we shall carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Isn't that amazing? Food and clothing, we shall be content. But Lord, I hope it tastes good. I hope it's good food, Lord. I hope the clothes look nice. I hope they're designer. I hope they, they, they're impressive. But whatever God gives us, that's what Paul says. He said, I've learned the secret of being content. Whether I'm hungry or I'm not hungry, whether I have enough or I don't have enough, Paul says, I've learned to be content. And, and he learned it the hard way, too, because he was persecuted. He was put in jail because of his faith for the Lord. Think of the hours, and I mean not just hours and days and months that Paul spent in prison unjustly put there because of his faith in Christ. He violated no law other than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was put in prison, but he learned to be content in that circumstance, and he used those opportunities to witness to the Praetorium Guard in, in Rome there, and he won them to Christ, and others too, he touched them. He touched uh, uh, Philemon's servant too, Onesimus, uh, all because he used his time in prison, because he was content. He said, well, God has put me here. I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to use even the time in prison. We all remember the story of Job and how in one day he lost everything. His business, his sons and his daughters, and everything, his health, everything. Lost it all. And you would think if anybody could, would be able to complain and you'd justify complaining and not being content, it would be Job. But Job said these remarkable words in Job chapter 1 and verse 21. He says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, when you're content, you can say that. The Lord has given me, and the Lord has taken away from me. And if God ever gives you something, that's what he wants you to have. And the Bible says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. 
But if he takes something away, it's because he has something better for us, right? He has a better job, or he has a better house, or he has a better life in some way, and God will provide. And so we just have to acknowledge it. It is convicting, but he wants us to be that way, and he wants us to be content. We were talking about being content with our wages, right? When John the Baptist was preaching out in the wilderness, he was telling the people to repent. And they would come to him and say, well, what should we do? Well, there were some soldiers there. And it's interesting. And they said, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse anyone falsely. And listen to what he said. And be content with your wages. These soldiers weren't content with their wages. We're not content with our wages. We're not content a lot of times with what we have. But God wants us to be. And the happiest people in the earth are the people that are content. They're the happiest people. They really are. One day there was a bishop who was content and cheerful through long periods of trials in his life, and they asked him, Bishop, can you please tell us the secret of your contentment? And he says, okay, I'm going to tell you. He said, I made right use of my eyes. He said this, he said, I first look up to heaven and remember that my principal business is to get there. And then I look down on the earth and think about how small a place I shall occupy when I'm dead and buried. So he looked up to heaven, then he looked down and he realized how insignificant it is here on earth and he's going to leave it all behind. And then he says, I look around and I see the many people that are worse off than me, much worse off than me. And it makes me thankful for what I have. And then I learn where true happiness lies, where all our cares end, and how little reason I have to complain. So when we're content, we're not going to be likely to complain, right? But if we're not content, we are going to tend to complain a lot more than we should. And so God wants us to be content with a little, and he wants us to be content with the much. And I thought about that. If I can't be content with the little God has given me, how am I going to be content with the much? And, and, and vice versa. He wants us to be content with whatever he gives us. And Hebrews 13:5 says, Let your conduct be free without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For it is written, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. Charles Spurgeon once said, it's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy what we have. You know, there's a lot of rich people, a lot of people in this world that have a lot of this world's goods, but do they enjoy it? They don't. They're miserable, miserable people. And yet, on the other hand, you have people with little, but they can be happy with the little. And as Christians, we should be able to be happy whether we have much or little, because God is with us, and it's so true. How many know the hymn writer Fanny Crosby, right? We know, we know her story. She was blind right from, from birth, basically. And she grew up, well, she was eight years old before she started writing prolific hymns and great hymns. We sing so many in the red book uh, by Fanny Crosby and the black book, too. And she wrote a little poem at the age of eight. And I thought this was the cutest poem, and it's so powerful, even in her uh, simple words of, of a child. She wrote this poem. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented, I will be. Amen. Now, here's a blind girl. She couldn't see. 
she could have easily complained about her life, right, and spent her life in misery and just not been happy or anything, but she used what she had, the talent God gave her, and she wrote some of the most beautiful and wonderful hymns that are still being sung, not only by us here, but throughout the entire world. She wrote some tremendous hymns. And I thought, wow, out of the mouth of babes, that beautiful, beautiful poem. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world, contented I will be. I mean, that's doctrinal. That's theological. That's, that's some of the best theology I've heard right there because she said, I'm resolved. When you're resolved, you're determined to be contented. And she says, I can't see with my eyes but I'm resolved to be content with what God has given to me. We sang that hymn this morning, and that's why I chose it. And one of the verses of the hymn says, Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur, nor repine, content whatever my lot I see, still sense God's hand that leadeth me. So God wants us to be content with what we have. One of the beautiful verses in Psalm, verse, Psalm 16, 6 says this. We have it on one of the banners in the, uh, in the room there. It says the, in Psalm 16, 6, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. When you take that verse and apply it to your life and you say, Lord, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I may not be healthy as I'd like to be, I may not have the money as much as I'd like to have. I may not have the prestige as much as I'd like to have. But the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And every Christian has the best inheritance. We have an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled and which is reserved in heaven for us. That's the best inheritance you can possibly have. And he wants us to enjoy it now here on this earth. And then our final point this morning is don't desire to be rich at the expense of honoring God. If God makes you rich, if he gives you riches, thank him for it. There's nothing wrong with a Christian being rich as long as the Christian doesn't hoard it and be selfish and not give it to the Lord and to his service. But other than that, there's nothing wrong with being rich. People like J.C. Penney, who is a godly Christian man who gave so much money to the Lord, and there have been many others like that, um, throughout history and in time. There's nothing wrong with being rich. But the problem is, if you have that riches and you ta it takes your eyes off the Lord and off his work and off his service, then it's not good. But you know, poor people can be even worse off than rich people because the poor people are wanting to be rich. And, they're, and, and in their attaining of that, it takes them off the track as well. So the Lord wants us to have that kind of life where we seek his perfect will for us, whatever we have. And that's why he says, he doesn't say money in this passage is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money that's the root of all evil and causes many problems in our lives. There was a Puritan preacher one day, back in the day, by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs, and he said this, What a foolish thing is this, that because I have not what I want, I will not enjoy the comfort of what I have. Isn't that true? I'll say it one more time. What a foolish thing is this, that because I have not got what I want, 
I will not enjoy the comfort of what I have. So many times we have all these blessings, right? And then we, we like put them aside because we want that one thing. And that takes all our time and all our attention because I want that one thing. If I don't get that one thing, I'm going to pout. I'm not going to be happy. Does that remind you of the kids? They get all these gifts, right? And, and all these toys. And all of a sudden, but they want this. And so they set aside all the other toys. They don't play with those anymore. I want this one. This is the hot new toy, and I've got to have it. Well, we as adults are very much similar to that. We have to have the latest and the greatest and the biggest and the best. And if we don't, we pout and we and complain ourselves a lot of times. One person said this, contentment is when your earning power equals your yearning power. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty good. Your, your earning power equals your yearning power, unless you want to put it on your credit card. And that's what people do today. They can't afford it. They shouldn't buy it. But plastic is so easy. All you have to do is open your wallet, give them the account number, the little number on the back of the card, and, and the expiration date, and you can buy whatever you want until you've exceeded your limit. And your debt <laughs> limit as well. It's so true, but they make it so easy. And so, so they go to the college campuses, right? And they offer these, these uh, young people in college these credit cards, but they don't tell them all the ramifications of this, that there's daily interest, it's compound interest. If you don't pay your whole balance by the end of the month, you're carrying over a balance. There's interest on that balance that you have to pay. And pretty soon, your balance goes up, and you find that you're not able to pay the whole thing. So you're paying for all this minimum payment on the card, and, in, and you're never getting ahead, never getting ahead. It's, I won't say a, a scam, but the credit card companies do know what they're, they're doing, making all this money. Sorry, Ed, I mean, he works for Wells Fargo. But they're not the only ones. They're all these cards, they're all, all designed the same way, same way. And God wants us to be careful, and he wants us to live in a contented way. I found this little poem that says this, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He is humble, he shall live before God to be his guide. I am content with what I have, little it be or much. And Lord, contentment still I crave, because thou savest such. You know, I think whether you've been a Christian for a little time or a long time, this is a practical message because even older Christians, we can get discontent. Maybe it's not on things, but it can be other things besides the material things. And so we have to be careful that we are content with what God gives us. Proverbs 27.20 said, Heaven and destruction, or the grave, are never full so are the eyes of man never satisfied. Did you ever think of the eyes of man are never satisfied? Never, never satisfied. Have you ever gone out to a restaurant and you've ordered and everything like that and then you watch the waitress or the waiter bring out something different? Boy, I wish I'd ordered that. <laughs> I should have ordered that. Or somebody you're eating with and you say, oh boy, that looks really good. Can I have some of that? <laughs> you know? 
I mean, it's funny, but that's the way life is, too, when we're not content. We, we always think something is better. The grass is always greener on the other side. Something's always going to be better, and it never usually is. Someone once said, you can live in one of two tents. One is content, content. The other is discontent. Which tent are you living in today? Are you living in the content or the discontent? It is challenging indeed. So to summarize, let's remember, we should be content in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be satisfied with him and what he's given to us in our life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And we need to remember whatever God gives us, let's learn to be content with it. Let's be thankful for it. Let's not always be looking for something else. And then let's remember that in our pursuit of being rich, don't let God take second place. I always thought there's two things we can either give to God. We can either give him the first fruits of our lives or we can give him the leftovers. And we don't want to give God the leftovers of our lives. We want him to have first place. And whatever he gives, we want to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me that because it's the best thing for me. Sometimes we won't even know it till we get to heaven. And the Lord says, you know what, Dean? If I had given you that job that you wanted there, this is what would have happened. If I had given you a different house, if I had given you a different this or a different that, here's how it would have turned out. The Lord's going to show us. He's going to rerun the tape, and he's going to show, see, when I directed you that way, and how it turned out for, for the glory of God and for your good and for the will of God, and he's going to show us, I kept you, I spared you from all of these things that could have happened had you gotten what you wanted. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to be content. It's not easy, Lord. We're bombarded with ads every day on TV saying we have to buy this car, we have to buy this particular product, we have to, we're not going to be happy until we get this or that. Help us to be happy in Jesus. Help us to be content in him. Help us not to want more than we should have. And help us to be thankful for what you have given us, Lord. And we just pray that however you lead us, we can say with the hymn writer, he leadeth me, he leadeth me. Oh, it is a blessed thought, Lord. And we pray that you will lead us through life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.